Hello everybody, this is Simarjeet Singh with another episode of the Beginner's Mind series. I do hope you've been enjoying these uh, wonderful conversations uh, from pe different experts from across the globe so far. Um, let us know as we begin this video where in the world you're signing in from. Um, that will be great to kickstart this conversation. And I'd like to share a story as we begin today. And type in yes in the comments section if you'd like to hear a story, a personal story, a little bit about my personal story. The year was 1999 and I landed as a young student in Sydney, Australia. This is my first time out of India, keep in mind, right? And I had a mission, I had a, I'd made a decision, you know, I talked to a few guys who told me that you could find part-time work and support yourself while you were going to university for your living expenses, etc, etc. I was all fired up uh, for that. Uh, the Olympics were just around the corner, the year 2000 in Sydney, it was booming, the economy was booming. Um, I wanted to get a job, you know, along with my university studies, and this is what I did. Now, I, I went to the hotel school in Sydney, which was located in the CBD, the Central Business District, that's what they call in Sydney, and in other parts of the world, you'll call it downtown. And uh, my school was located in this very nice area, and we were surrounded by wonderful hotels and restaurants and convention centers and so many other things. This is what I did. I uh, printed 50 copies of my CV along with a general covering letter and I would literally this is what I would do I would walk into hotels and restaurants and convention centers and just walk up to the reception desk and ask this is me this is what I do I'm a young student here this is my CV I'm looking for a job do you have any jobs right <laughs> before this I was I was not taking initiative I was following really a lengthy complicated process or oh, probably the the folks at the hotel school will help me out somebody else would help me out then I talked to a couple of other young international students and um, these guys, although they, they did not have this sort of uh, education and other sort of things, but they, they, they were doing part-time work and asked them, how did you find these jobs? And he said, very simple. I just go inside and I ask, do you have a job? And this is what I did. This is what I did for the next three or four days. Other folks who are also uh, from different parts of the world had joined this bachelor's degree program. Were wondering where, where does this guy, he's just landed a couple of days back and where does he disappear as soon as college is over? Little did they know uh, that this is what I was doing. So straight from the McDonald's, the McDonald's selling the burgers to the Ritz-Carlton, to the Sydney Convention Center, everybody had my CV. Now, I didn't have a phone number, I didn't have a mobile phone, but I had a friend who had a name similar to mine. So my name is Simarjeet Singh, he was called Simran. Now, I, so I told Simran, I said, look, I'm putting your number down on that CV, and in case you get any calls, uh, just pretend you're me and just note down the address where they want me to come for the interviews. Cut a long story short, I had three interviews lined up within the first week of me landing in Sydney, Australia, and I had multiple part-time jobs, wonderful part-time jobs, all the way from, well, some of you have heard about the car wash story. Uh, which was not through the job search, by the way. Uh, I've been a banquet server. Um, I've uh, worked, I've sold uh, life insurance um, through a telecalling thing and so many other things. I got to visit all different nooks and corners of this beautiful city. Wonderful memories. And the message that I'm trying to get across to you as we begin another episode of the Beginner's Mind series where we have a wonderful guest uh, who's an expert in helping you grow your career and your business. The message that I'm trying to get across is this. Nothing moves until you do. Nothing moves until you do. But when you take initiative, you will find you have so many more resources and so much available 
It's like the entire universe is waiting for you to step forward and take that chance, take that risk, make yourselves vulnerable, right? See what's, what's out there. Things don't come to you. You go out and search for them and then you meet somewhere in the middle. And for everybody who might be going through a difficult, uncertain time right now due to the coronavirus situation, the pandemics and the impact it's had on the economy, this is the message for all of you guys as we begin today. Don't wait for things to happen to you. Go out and happen to things. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, coming all the way from Sydney, Australia, is Amy Smith. Let's first of all welcome her with a virtual round of applause. Thank you, Amy, for taking out the time. It's a pleasure to have you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Let me, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce Amy Smith to you. She's a business and LinkedIn strategist, a coach and a speaker helping service-based business owners, coaches and consultants to launch and grow their businesses online. <clears throat> Excuse me, after starting her first business at the young age of 12, wow, her career has spanned across Canada, the UK, Australia, working within the HR, business development and coaching space. And she's worked with some of, some of the most prestigious brands like HSBC, Salesforce, YMCA, Randstand, just to name a few. Now, she's supported CEOs of companies all the way from a turnover from $5 million to $100 million behind the scenes to effectively launch and grow their own executive uh, business coaching businesses and has trained uh, scores of professionals at all levels from students to CEOs on career business and LinkedIn strategies. It's a pleasure to have you here all the way from Sydney, Australia. Now, see how this uh, phrase has evolved, Amy, all the way uh, from Sydney, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> when we used to have in-person appearances it used to mean our guest has traveled all the way from sydney australia and now it's evolved because all we have to do is just sit in front of our cameras and these exciting virtual conversations are possible fascinating time to be alive isn't it absolutely i love how connected we are globally now i think it's great yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I do miss Sydney. I do miss it a lot. I haven't been back to uh, Sydney ever, ever since uh, I left in the, in the year 2001, but I would love to go back. Um, Amy, mm -hmm. I, I, I want to get started. I want to jump straight into our discussion today uh, about LinkedIn. Now, you're, you're, you are big on LinkedIn. You focus a lot of your coaching is centered on brand building on LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. And this live video is also being uh, broadcasted on Facebook and YouTube and other places where I'm assuming a lot of youngsters still might not be taking LinkedIn seriously. It's probably not a you know thing, uh, uh, the, the space for young people to be or so they perceive it to be, right? They're yeah. more heavy on Instagram yeah. or Clubhouse or the other social media apps. Um, uh, let's let's talk about LinkedIn. Why should folks be on LinkedIn? What are the huge advantages? Uh, what are your views on this? Yeah, I think uh, LinkedIn's an interesting one, right? It's been around for a long time now, but not a lot of people have been using it uh, to its full effect, right? Some people, uh, most people I speak to have had a profile on LinkedIn for years and never touched it, never done anything with it. So mm -hmm. I always kind of refer to LinkedIn as the ugly duckling of social media, <laughs> mm. where it's kind of a little bit forgotten. But I think the thing with LinkedIn is that there is a huge amount of opportunity on the platform when you know how to use it the right way. And, you know, it's kind of like where Facebook was like five to seven years ago in mm -hmm. terms of particularly for business, um, the opportunities out there to find the right kinds of clients and really be, 
visible and really be able to get your message out there. So I think LinkedIn is kind of still, even though it is a platform that's been around for a long time, I think it's still in its infancy in terms of where we're going to see the platform heading. Yeah, and um, it, it does. People do mix it up all the time with Facebook and Insta and others. And sometimes we do have people who treat LinkedIn as um, another Facebook profile, another Instagram profile, and as you said, uh, another dead profile. But it's a powerful mm. tool for networking, especially with like-minded people. Um, so, so, so for everybody's listening, make no mistakes. You, if you're looking for a job, if you want to grow your business, please don't overlook LinkedIn, right? And mm -hmm. by the way, we're not we're not getting paid to endorse LinkedIn. In here, right? No. Amy? <laughs> we must make no, it is, very clear. This is not a LinkedIn sponsored interview. Absolutely. It's just something that, you know, I've been able to use, you know, through my career and, and business, and others have too. And I just think it's a super powerful platform, um, mm -hmm. particularly as you said, you know, if you've got that focus around wanting to build your career or, or build a business, mm -hmm. um, it's the place to play. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, not everyone's on it, um, a handful select people, you know, many business decision makers, corporate executives, etc. Um, so mm -hmm. it's still it's still that sort of um, uh, that space, which is not overcrowded at the moment. And you can make right connections and all, a whole lot of fake profiles, as in with some other mediums out there. So, yes, job seekers, once yeah. again, take your LinkedIn profile very, very seriously. Small and medium business owners, also please take your LinkedIn profile seriously. Mm -hmm update them. There's a whole lot of functions that have come in recently that can enable you to do wonders. I'm personally grateful, Amy, for the opportunity to do a LinkedIn Live, just like yourself. You also you also do your yeah. LinkedIn Lives. I love them, by the way. Great content. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. And yeah. uh, it, it's not, um, so you have to apply for it. Not everybody's eligible, you know, and it takes a while. But grateful to have that opportunity to do LinkedIn Lives and connect with this wonderful pool of people from across the world. Now, uh, mm. when when youngsters, because I know a few who got their internships through LinkedIn, who got their first job offers, a lot of hiring is going on on this platform. In fact, a lot of uh, traditional hiring firms report that their revenues have slipped and largely um to forums like LinkedIn, that's where a lot of hiring mm -hmm. is going direct, you know, from organizations to direct to people rather than having an intermediary involved. Um, as a LinkedIn strategist, and you've supported CEOs and students and all sort of people to build their brands, what would your mm -hmm. top five recommendations be, I mean, to people who are watching right now um, in order to grow their profile, in, in order to grow their clout and their brand on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think it's a big one because uh, I think for a lot of people, they still kind of have that picture that LinkedIn is just for people in suits and ties in the corporate space where right now, like you said, it doesn't matter the kind of profession that you're in. There are opportunities on LinkedIn outside of your sort of typical roles that you would expect. And 94% uh, of recruiters actually look you up on LinkedIn when you come through. So if they look at your CV, 94% of recruiters, their instinct is to go and find you on LinkedIn as well. Wow, that's huge. So that's that's 94% is huge. In fact, this yeah, is what I do. The yeah. moment we have a query for a corporate speaking engagement, in order for mm -hmm. me to make sure it's, it's genuine, I just look the person up on LinkedIn and send a connection request yeah. and I get to know whether they're for real or not, right? Right, 94%, Definitely. wow, that's huge. Yeah, it's 
it's huge. It's huge. So it's really important that you're actually representing yourself in the right way. Mm. Um, and so the first recommendation is really clean up your act. You mm. know, some people, if you've had a profile there for a long period of time, you actually need to think about whether that profile is actually representing you and where you are now, but also where you're going and where you mm. want to go, or is it too much focused on the past? Right. Mm. So I think the first thing is do a little bit of a, a bit of an audit, be very self-aware around where you're wanting to go and make sure your LinkedIn profile is actually reflecting that so that when these recruiters come across you, there's that instant rapport, there's that in instant trust building that happens because there's that consistency between, you know, you as a person and what you're applying for and then also what your LinkedIn profile represents as well. So that would probably be my first tip. That's number one, guys. That's the first step yeah. there. That's Clean up one. your act. Clean up your <laughs> act. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, for that. Mm -hmm. All right. Ready for number two? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, we are. Awesome. LinkedIn is one of those platforms that, as I said, it can be a little bit intimidating. So actually, link, the recommendation for number two when it comes to LinkedIn is a bit more of a mindset game, right? And it requires you to actually let go of what other people think of you. Mm. Because I know for many people, like I was speaking to a client the other day and, you know, she was about to put her first blog post out there on LinkedIn. It was the first time she's ever posted on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was talking to me. I could see the anxiety come across her face. I could see that she was, you know, her hands started to get a little bit sweaty and mm -hmm. she was sort mm -hmm. of, you know, blushing and freaking out. And I said, why I are you so nervous? Mm. Yeah, why are you so nervous? What's wrong? It's just uh -huh. a little post. And she said, I'm just really worried about what people will think. Uh, am yeah. I going to get any likes? Am I going to get any comments? And, mm -hmm. you know, you have to let that go. Yep. Because otherwise you're never going to be able to move forward and you're never going to be actually able to be visible on the platform. And it's absolutely totally normal and natural to feel mm -hmm. that way as well. Um, so, you know, if you are wanting to get out there, you do need to kind of just do it even if you don't feel ready. Um, so that would be recommendation number two. <laughs> that is great. That, that's I love that because uh, it holds so many people back from putting out their content. I'll tell you, I can mm. relate with that in a bit because uh, with the LinkedIn lives, you know, I used to do a lot of Facebook lives and YouTube live, yes. uh, yeah. but LinkedIn was a different sort of audience. So when LinkedIn live happened, we had to be all the more careful, right? I got mm -hmm. a few inbox messages saying, oh, you're putting your, your photographs, you go to schools and you're doing, uh, you know, these work with young students. And don't you think your corporate clients are going to be all confused about what sort of work the Synergy actually do? And I said, well, mm. look, you know, that's me. I don't really care if there is, we can clarify this confusion because all we're trying to do is we're contributing to young students to make up their mind about what they want to do in life. And that in no way contradicts with the work that I do with my corporate clients. Uh, it's just a matter of perception and we can be very cautious at times. And I think that can cost us in a big way because we're not singing our song. We're not putting our content out there. And uh, we're trying to like be a bit, be a bit way too careful about, you know, mm -hmm. um, picturing ourselves or coloring ourselves in a certain way. We need to get over that and be out there. Thank yeah. you, Amy. That, that was number two. Fantastic. Yeah. And no one cares as much as what you think they do. That's <laughs> a harsh reality, right? Yeah, it's like when it's in our world, when we're coming from our lens, we, we panic around it. And I know for me as well, like when I put out my first piece of content on LinkedIn, it was video was the hardest to get started. Like yeah. you said, there's that element of, you know, doubt when you put out a video. Mm -hmm. It took me six hours to do Gosh. my first video on LinkedIn. <laughs> 
because mm. I filmed it for two minutes, took me two minutes to film it. And then I sat on it for about five hours and 58 minutes before I had the courage to even post it. So we've right. all been there. It's, it's yeah, absolutely, absolutely normal. Feeling hit, like that, that. hit that yeah. publish button, guys. That's the message here. Hit that publish button. Of course, do your research and try to, you know, add value and things that you're doing. But hit that publish button. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the third thing I would say as well is you have to play within the rules of the platform. And what I mean by that is when you have a level of understanding around the way the platform works and the algorithm in particular, it actually does a lot of the heavy lifting for you so you can get traction a lot faster. So I think for a lot of people, um, there's an element of diving in before you're ready, but there's also an element of learning as you go and really being conscious around what's working and what's not for you and be willing to adapt as you go. Um, and also being able to do some research around the algorithm and things like that. So you feel like you're really across it because often, you know, what works on Facebook and what works on YouTube, what works on Instagram, when you try and apply that to LinkedIn, it's a whole different ball game. So I think taking the time to do a little bit of preparation, a little bit of research around the platform um, can really help you in the long run because it will allow LinkedIn to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you when you start to put your brand out there. Yeah, so get familiar. It's a different algorithm, as you said. It's a different audience. Things work differently out here. And there's different objectives. You know, perhaps your objective of being on Instagram is uh, showing what you had for lunch or, you know, your objective of being yeah. on Twitter is perhaps how toxic you could be if you get in an online argument with a stranger. But <laughs> LinkedIn, you have different objectives. So keep that in mind. That's a wonderful input there, Amy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess my fourth tip to, you know, sort of move on from that as well is like once you've got the algorithm sort of you understand how it works, now it's time to have a bit of fun and be a little bit different on there as well because that's an instant way that you can actually stand out. So as an example, it would be, you know, putting out some content that maybe has like a bit of variety to it. So if you see everyone on there doing blogs, then, you know, why not do some image posts or just simple text posts? You know, they work really well too. So I guess as you start to get into the detail of working out what's really um, effective for you, you can start to really carve out your own strategy, I guess, and really carve out your own brand and your brand voice on the platform. Mm -hmm. And like you said before, you know, now is the time where, you know, we actually probably shouldn't be telling everyone to get on LinkedIn because it's actually going to, you know, mean that there's more noise on the platform. But I love it. I think mm -hmm. it's great when everyone jumps in and contributes and it adds to conversations on there. Yeah. So I think now is the time where you have the ability to really step into your own power on the platform, really develop your own style, really develop your own voice, and don't be afraid to be a little bit different to maybe the typical sort of corporate posts that you might yep. see on there, um, mm -hmm. because that is an instant way to stand out. Um, it will attract recruiters, it will attract company uh, leaders and CEOs that are kind of looking for someone that has maybe a little bit of an edge uh, to just the general norm that they see every single day. So I actually saw a post on there um, by a CEO of an analytics company recently. And he actually said that the way he recruits right now 
is he doesn't even bother to collect CVs and, you know, what we would sort of say is the traditional way of yep. putting out a job. Yeah, my, my sort of way, yeah, printing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, print, printing your CV and distributing it everywhere, right? Yeah. So what he does is he actually looks on his newsfeed of LinkedIn. He will uh -huh. do a bit of a search for the types of skills that he's looking for to, right. to hire for. Right. And he will see who's contributing on LinkedIn. He gets to understand how that person communicates. Uh -huh. He gets to understand that person's style, how they represent themselves. And, you know, from his point of view, he said that tells him a hell of a lot more than what a CV does. So Indeed. that's actually a lot of the way that, you know, some new leaders are actually starting to come through and recruit. So you need to be out there and you need to stand out. And, you know, great that folks are taking that into consideration because a CV is a, is a static document. You probably created yeah. it six months ago. You maybe updated a couple of lines. But in LinkedIn, on, on, you are, you are, you're, the reflection of your personality is being shared every day in a very dynamic way. So uh, yeah. any recruiter, be it a CEO or a HR manager, can get to know way more about your personality, your work ethic, what you're thinking, maybe even your political mm -hmm. leanings and things like that. So we disclose yeah, so yeah. much in those posts and in those comments that we, we So I think two very important things emerge here. One, one is the uh, post. Don't be just silent observers, right? A lot of people just um, sign up and then have this profile and then don't do anything with it. Um, mm -hmm. As you said, your step number two, which is perhaps the fear of being judged is stopping them. Um, so, you know, put your content out there, whatever it happens to be. And as you rightly said, experiment with multiple formats. And second, also be mindful of the fact that a lot of decision making hiring uh, it's, it's a lot of the decision making around hiring, around recruitment is happening using LinkedIn either as a primary or a secondary medium which means yeah. what you're saying out there, uh, what you're putting out there, people are looking at it and it is affecting how, what sort of decisions they will make regarding your recruitment. So be very mindful about that, guys. It's not, it's not Facebook, it's not Twitter. You probably cannot get away with a lot of the stuff here because it's a, it's a relatively smaller pool of people. They're more interactive, they're more focused in terms of what they do. So thank you for those uh, wonderful uh, inputs, Amy, so far. And guys, if you, if, if you find this con content useful, please share in the comments section what are your top takeaways so far what was the point number one what was the number two what was the number three because this is great information coming here right now yeah yeah and it's to your point as well like you said at the start of the conversation where you're sharing your story around when you arrived in Sydney it's about putting yourself in the way of opportunity yeah. and so I think LinkedIn is a really great place to do that because like you said people are there looking for you you mm -hmm. just have to be seen um, and so I guess to follow, follow on from that as well when it comes to like representing yourself in the right way, it's very tempting. I know in your career particularly as well, it's very tempting to just copy and paste your resume onto your LinkedIn profile as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's actually a big mistake that I see a lot of people making. And the reason for that is, is like you said, your CV is kind of like a static document. Um, it's very much based around what you've done in the past, your skills, your experience. Whereas your LinkedIn profile should be a little bit more focused around what you can bring, what mm. the future is, you know, right. where are you heading, what can you contribute to an organization, and don't be afraid to show a little personality behind your profile as well. Of course. Um, that's why I do my LinkedIn Live series, Person Behind the Profile, because it does actually help to bring out that personality from people rather than sort of a static document. So I think your LinkedIn profile show a little bit of personality as well. And the last little, I guess, sort of bonus tip for people too on LinkedIn 
is you just have to be patient mm. sometimes. You, know, mm-hmm. you might put a post out there or you might contact someone to, you know, as a connection request and they might not get back to you or you might sure. get no engagement. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's going to happen all of the time. So I think consistency and being patient um, is really the key as well um, because after a while, it won't take long to get traction. It ta- it's quicker than what you think, mm-hmm. but it's not going to happen, you know, in a couple of hours when you snap your fingers and say, right, now I want a job, now I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I think that's where something are, to keep in mind for people as well. Where are my 20,000 connections? Where are my 30,000 exactly. connections? People, <laughs> people look for shortcuts. And that's sort of hardwired yeah. in human nature, isn't it? I had somebody exactly. reaching out, uh, Amy, recently, and uh, this gen- gentleman wanted to know, I said, uh, will signing up for LinkedIn Premium help me increase the number of my connections? Well, I said, no. <laughs> you know, it can help yeah. you use your in-mails. You can reach out to people that you're not connected with and other sort of analytics mm-hmm. and other features that come with it. But uh, yeah. you, as you rightly said, patience, guys. Patience is the key. You don't just suddenly discover LinkedIn uh, today. Yeah. Thanks to this video, <laughs> we'll take the credit for it, <laughs> and then figure out okay, how am I going to go from zero to one thousand or one thousand to twenty thousand members and just spam everyone? And that's uh, that is the next thing I wanted to move on to, Amy. In your oh, in your yeah. experience, uh, you know, when people get desperate about oh, I've suddenly I either attended a webinar, watched a video, or I just discovered this new exciting platform, and I'm not all mm. aggressive about it. I'm not even spending any more time on Instagram or Twitter. It's all focused on LinkedIn. In that desperation. I'm sure there must be a lot of mistakes people make. Could you walk us through those uh, mistakes, common mistakes that people make? I think uh, one of the biggest ones, it goes back to my last point around being patient Uh because I think people can be so impatient on the platform where, like you said, it's kind of like they have this new toy and Uh they think they just want to go out there and reach a bunch of people straight away. Yeah. And when you're on the receiving end of some of those messages, like I receive them a lot as well, where you have someone that will connect with you and then the next minute they'll send you this big long message and it's just a complete sales pitch. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. whether you're going for a job mm-hmm. and you want someone to hire you. So mm-hmm. you're very, you know, um, you're making that point quite strongly mm-hmm. or you're wanting to work with someone and it just is too soon. So LinkedIn, like you mentioned, it's a networking platform. It's a relationship building platform. So it's actually doing you a disservice uh, to send those types of messages. What you need to be doing instead is actually taking your time and building those relationships up and building those connections so that over time, Mm -hmm. things actually start to happen the other way where people will actually start reaching out to you mm-hmm. and you don't have to, you know, be that sleazy kind of salesperson, if you like, sending messages to hundreds of people. Yeah, it, it's just like spamming with email when we, you know, with this, all yeah. these emails we keep getting from different parts of the world. Oh, my grandmother was a billionaire and now she's left all this money and I want to share yeah. some of it with you. Why would you want to share it with me? I, I get it every single day. I'm sure you do too. And what, we have yeah. a similar version of spamming on LinkedIn, as you rightly said, this long stories, these long inboxes along with these PDF attachments and can you help me get a job? I'm doing this. So you, it's, it's people mindlessly sending out these job applications, which um, can do you more harm uh, than good in the digital space because it's going to turn a lot of people off. And if you just made that connection, you, I, I usually remove those connections. Somebody who's not 
made the effort yeah. to make a connection and is now sending uh, an inbox with, with with some sort of a spam email. Um, mm -hmm. It's bye bye because you know you want yeah. you want value addition flowing both ways. And um, uh, personally, I also feel that uh, brevity. If you can bring in the brevity of Twitter on LinkedIn, that would be great. Mm -hmm. If you can keep your messages or inbox short, simple, and come straight to the point without beating around the bush for you know uh, way too long, your chances of getting a response uh, are way higher than if you send a whole essay out there, which many people do. Yeah. Totally. And you have to think about it from the other person's perspective. You have yeah. to always be thinking, what's in it for them? You know, what kind of value can I bring as an employee to this person's organization if you're reaching uh -huh. out to a CEO? Or, you know, what do my solutions or what kind of problem does this person have that I could potentially solve? But yeah. we don't know that yet until we work out there's even a problem, right? So often it's kind of taking a step back and thinking about it from the other person's perspective to say, sure. well, what's sure. it for them to actually connect with me? Uh -huh. And that's a really good way to do it is sort of tread a little bit softly than some people do on the platform. Absolutely. I, I agree with that, treading a little softly because it's a double-edged sword. You know, you have their attention, yeah. uh, which you probably might not have on yeah. Facebook or other platforms. So you have the attention, but you could use it mm -hmm. to, to your advantage or it could turn against yeah. you if, if you make the wrong move. So it's very important. A couple of other things I've observed is uh, people putting their selfies or other sort of photographs, which are not professional. They don't. That's a visual mm -hmm. statement you're making out there with your LinkedIn profile photo. And if you're using the same one that you had on Instagram or, you know, or FB, again, um, it's it's um, it probably, you know, understand what your objectives are out there and then pay some more attention um, to that uh, as well. I think this, this is something that I've noticed in terms of mistakes that people make. Uh, another common one that has started recently is uh, people using the same content that they would you, that they would typically post on uh, Facebook or Instagram and posting it on LinkedIn too, which is mm. no value addition to someone. And it's probably best to keep it away from this platform. Uh, you have Facebook for that. You have Instagram for that. You've got Twitter for that. Um, yes. uh, it's when you add value. And I believe like little snippets of storytelling have been very helpful for me. I'm, I'm sure you can resonate with that too, Amy. Um, it's like, if, if you're if you're doing this work around you know mentoring and coaching uh, what, what you're doing at the moment if you share a snippet about what your day looks like or some of the challenges your clients are facing you share a little bit about that people suddenly mm -hmm. get to know the person behind the scenes so we typically do it too we said okay when we transition to the virtual medium this was the challenges we were facing this is what we did etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. so that little storytelling in effect what it's done is uh, improve my writing skills a little bit um and because for for once i'm not doing a video i'm writing actually writing something yeah. down and that helps and also people can relate with who you are behind the scenes as a professional um that that thing also mm. really helps yeah yeah and i think there's a big element now that you know our work our work life and our home life are very much integrated now mm -hmm. i think COVID has accelerated that but i think even before COVID, you know we don't talk really about work-life balance anymore we talk about work-life integration and so i think for a lot of people i've noticed a real shift as well a, a little bit more humanness on the mm -hmm. linkedin platform too yeah, yeah. because now you know we're, we are working at home. We've got our cats that will come and interrupt an interview, like happened with me last week. <laughs> <laughs> my cat oh, decided really? that Oscar, he thought he would decide to uh, gatecrash Well, you shouldn't be leaving him out, Amy. It's unfair. You, know, you shouldn't be leaving your cat out. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. He wanted he wanted some attention on LinkedIn, so he decided to jump on. And you know, people have got their kids while they're working from home and everything. So I think it's actually okay to share a little bit of your humanness on the platform and a little bit of you know your vulnerabilities. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. to your point with stories, mm-hmm. I think some of the stories that work really well are some experiences that you've gone through, whether it be your career or your business. And what you learn from that, that will actually help others to either avoid that mistake or, you know, be able to see themselves in your story as well, I think is super powerful. So if you can be relatable and if you can actually share some stories and be unafraid to be human on the LinkedIn platform, I think that's where you really are able to get that cut through um, and, and really be able to stand out in a good way. Definitely. And I, I do believe part of your the, the the motivation behind your person behind the LinkedIn profile would also be stemming from that, you know, because it's it's yeah. we, we appear as a different person, you know, when in this carefully selected built up profile. And then when well, I mean, we, as you rightly said, when we show our human side, there's a lot more that people yeah. find in common. Aha, this guy's doing this, too. Or I posted a picture recently. We had a very good response and a post picture and a post, which was uh, about. Uh, so this picture was like what my ideal life would look like sitting with a book, yeah. book, book in my hand and you know very serene and just enjoying and reading that's what I said this is how you'd assume my life to be but this is nowhere close to reality with all the challenges that we struggle with every day and it was a a little bit long uh, you know the post was a little bit on the towards the longer side but I think people could connect with it because here um, I was disclosing to them information that they probably would never know if I wouldn't be doing it and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing makes a establishes a strong connection there Uh, thank you it's been a wonderful conversation regarding how to use LinkedIn as your tool so far, Amy. I appreciate your inputs. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I think, yeah, to, to my point earlier too around, you know, the content and being able to mix it up a little bit too. Sometimes you actually don't know what's going to work and what's not. Often it's the case, right, where there's sometimes where you can feel like you're being um you know, very purposeful in what you Mm. put out. And then Mm -hmm. you think, this is amazing. Like, everyone's going to love this. Like, this is such a great post. Mm -hmm. And you put it out there and there's crickets, right? (laughs) And then other times, like this happened to me, I was, was just before I was speaking for an event and I was just like, had, you know, 20 minutes to spare at the back. So I thought, you know what, I'll just do a quick little text post on LinkedIn and didn't really put much thought into it at all. Mm -hmm. And that one exploded, you know, got hundreds of thousands of views and I didn't Uh expect it at all because it took me less than five minutes and not a lot of thought went into it. So I think sometimes you can really, you know, allow yourself to be surprised by experimenting as well and then, you know, learn what works from you and and for your style as well so i think that's great absolutely but people love that spontaneity because uh they know it's it's coming from the heart your writing can reflect your writing is a reflection of how you speak you know if you're not filtering it Mm -hmm. out if you're not spending too much time editing it your the way you write is a reflection of how you speak and people can feel those emotions if it's spontaneous if it was quick if it was if it was spur of the (laughs) moment and um yes as you rightly said the whole message that what what i'm getting so far is about experimentation keep experimenting Mm -hmm. guys you never know what is going to work well for you it could be a post it could be graphics it could be storytelling it could be um you know some people do this ask uh series ask simurjit or ask amy or ask me questions Mm -hmm. around my subject that's how you get the word out about your expertise on this platform so keep experimenting there's no set format to this 
And uh, Amy, I want to come on to the next important subject right now. We just had this. This was number one trending news on LinkedIn. 100 crore yeah. Indians, uh, that's millions of Indian youth are out of a job right now, largely mm -hmm. due to the impact of the COVID uh, the, the pandemic on the economy. I'm sure this mm. um, this has ripple effects uh, across different major economies in the world. Some have bounced back sooner than the others. Some have completed their mm. vaccinations. Others haven't. Others are going to take a little bit longer. But there are people who are out of a job right now. There are people out of their comfort zones right now. The people who have lost, yeah. who put everything in their small, medium businesses and have lost everything mm. right now. Um, any tips for those searching for a new start? How can LinkedIn or any other strategies, not just LinkedIn, because you're a career strategist also, you're a personal branding expert also, not just LinkedIn, but mm. what sort of strategies should these people keep in mind at this point of time? So yeah, look, there's some really tough times that are happening now for a lot of people around the world, um, uh -huh. which is horrible to see. And I think sometimes personally, when you're going through a tough time, your mindset and having the right kind of mindset to get you through is more important than ever. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, because I sure. know this is you know your area of expertise as well. But I think being able to look at the bigger picture and be able to think, okay, I'm not where I want to be right now. Um, and sometimes there's a feeling of things happening to you um, that can feel a little bit maybe out of alignment for you, where I think when you can actually switch it to taking back some control and being able to think, okay, well, what do I want to do with this? What have I learned from this? Where can I take this? Where can I go? Recognizing your skills, your experience, and everything that you have today, you haven't lost that. Mm -hmm. So where can you take that? Where is mm -hmm. that useful right now? And mm -hmm. it might be looking at thinking maybe outside of the box than what you have normally done so, particularly in your career. Maybe it's looking at a completely different industry or a completely different role right. um, than what you thought before. So I think having that sort of outside thinking too and getting some support, you know, that could be support from people that are going through similar experiences to you where you're yeah. able to sort of help lift each other up and uh -huh. move through. It might be support um, from different networks or different industries um, that you want to be a part of and you want to learn. You know, I think learning is a great thing too. Immersing mm -hmm. yourself in new fresh things um, I think is a really good first step to help people kind of get their mojo back a little yeah. bit and, and yeah. really feel inspired for the future. Mm -hmm. We just spoke to um, uh, a wonderful gentleman a couple of days back from uh, Minnesota, United States, uh, Daryl Glaze. Uh, he, he talked about isolation is dangerous, uh, uh, you know, so just guys, make sure that you're not isolated during this uh, process, that, uh, that you reach out to someone for help, that you share what's going on. Um, I read this somewhere about, you know, if you put all your problems, if you write all your problems on a piece of paper, and you get your mm -hmm. friends to do the same. So everybody writes their biggest things that they're struggling with right now, their biggest problems on a piece of paper. Yeah. You fold it and you put it in a big uh, in a glass jar and then you just shuffle it and move it and then you pick yeah. at random and chances are you'll probably pick somebody else's and this is what's going to happen. The moment you read what's going on in someone else's life, uh, you mm. most, you're very likely to say, give me my problems back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because exactly. once you yeah. get to know what other people are going through, it suddenly gives you a more broader perspective on what's mm -hmm. going on. And um, yeah. mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. a really interesting time with COVID now because I think there's a collective kind of understanding about what's going on. 
Um, I think it would have been, you know, worse for people maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. If you lost your job, do feel, feel quite isolated and you do, do feel very alone because other people around you are so seemingly, you know, successful in their yeah. roles and everything's sort of usual for them. It's mm-hmm. normal. It's as usual but i think with covid we've got this level of understanding whether you're a business owner whether you know you've lost your job as part of your career i think you know new bosses new opportunities everyone is very very understanding of the circumstances uh-huh. so i think that actually works in your favor to be able yep. to stay connected um, and feel understood as you're moving through this transition period sure no i completely i've been through it a couple of times myself you know this is going back uh, changing do- jobs, moving back to India a couple of times, you know, uh, to be back with family and then rebuilding my career. So I've been through it personally. And, and I think it takes grit, it takes persistence, it takes patience, and it takes uh, all your resources. And also to believe that things will get better after, after a period of time, things will improve eventually. And um, to not take this time in between as a punishment, but use it as a privilege. Uh, as a yeah. privilege to read, to learn, to acquire all the skills that you need to. You talked about the mindset earlier. I, I, I feel it plays a huge role in, in terms of especially your daily practices, in terms of getting your daily life on track. Um, because if you lose that, if you lose your, um, if, if you lose your positivity, your enthusiasm, um, your zest for life on a day-to-day basis, and that's a very dangerous situation to be in. So I personally... Um, do these couple of things to in order to just look after my mindset. One is daily gratitude, write a journal, yeah. sit in meditation, do whatever works for you, but just uh, understand, uh, you know, things may be going wrong. A lot of things might be might not be working in your favor right now, but there are a lot of things which are still working in your favor. And uh, what, what could those things be? And if you focus on them, if you dwell on them, you suddenly get a more balanced sense of how things are uh, in the sense that it's not that bad as you're perceiving it to be. You're not blowing things out of proportion. That's one. My daily gratitude is one. It's a huge one, Amy. And then, of course, uh, visualization. Uh, I don't know if you believe. (laughs) I mean, you know, it works for me. It has worked for me, you know. So find that feeling place every day of being back in the sort of job that you'd like to be in, the sort of company that you'd like to work for, the sort of work culture, location, brand name, job responsibilities, sit down and write. You know, if you had an opportunity to get everything that you wanted, write down to the smallest details. Do you even know what you want? So sit down mm. and clarify and write what are your, what is the ideal scenario in terms of your bouncing back? You know, what is the sort of job or the business opportunity? And then uh, spend some time visualizing yourself in that position every day. Find that feeling place. I, I try to do this very often is to find that feeling place of uh, uh, where I feel that, yes, I already have that thing. How would I feel? Would I be feeling differently? And to stick with that feeling on a day-to-day basis, that's been a huge help for me in some of the major um, challenges in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. the visualization is key. And it's some of those times where you kind of feel like, you know, is this even doing anything? Is this mm-hmm. worth it? Um, but, you know, it's really interesting how the universe will conspire for you yep. when you actually take those first steps. Mm-hmm. Amy, you've been the ambassador of the Young Entrepreneurs Company. Um, and I understand from your profile, you started your first uh, business at the age of 12. Let's first talk about your first entrepreneurial venture at the age of 12. It's too early, right? 12 is, what was it? I want to know, weren't you afraid? And what sort of lessons, life lessons did you learn on your first venture? 
Yeah, I. you know what? I didn't even think it was that weird at the time. But looking back, yeah, I was quite young and it was quite weird, I think, to do. Um, I remember Lemonade stand? No, no. Everyone <laughs> asked me what's a lemonade stand. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. All right. Um, I remember being very impatient that I couldn't start working legally until I was 14. And I was like, well, it was 14, nine months actually here in Australia. Um, and so I was very impatient. I wanted to earn my own money. I wanted to earn pocket money and all of those sorts of things. So what I actually ended up doing was um, it was actually through a, a sewing class one day at school learn how to sew and then uh, I ended up designing this little bag out of material so it was just a material bag and then what ended up happening yeah is some of my friends said hey can you make me one of those that looks really cool and I designed it out of old jeans so I used to cut the bottoms of the jeans off and then create this bag wow. and then it started the schoolyard where friends would say can you make one for me and so I would and then it escalated a little bit further where uh, my auntie was a, a counsellor and she had a shop. And so she used to actually have in her waiting room for where her clients would come in, she would actually sell my bags in her waiting room. Nice. And, um, well, here's and an applause so for you and auntie. <laughs> for- <laughs> So that's how I got started. Um, and then it actually got to a point where I was working after school, sewing all, all of these bags. And I said to my mom, I said, I can't keep up with this. I've got all these bags to create. Will you work for me? And then she said, well, how much? And I said, <laughs> for free, obviously. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're and my mom. Said, right. Yeah, and she said, no, I don't think that's what I'm going to be doing. So that's why I stopped. But you know, um, it was a really good little experiment. I don't think I really intended it for, for it to be a business. I didn't really wow. know what I was doing at the time. Well, that, that, that's how great businesses start. And I think wonderful takeaway for everybody who's listening in right now. You know, you, when you do something for the joy of doing it, great opportunities emerge. It's not like it's it's not a task anymore. It's not a do or die situation anymore. And you, you've just experimented with it and it grows from there organically and people like it. And um, fast forward now, we're living in the age of e-commerce. You could be selling those bags on Amazon or whatever, exporting them exactly. to different parts of the world, right? If only mom had worked for me for free. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a wonderful story to illustrate. Start, do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this whole, and I feel, I personally feel there's a couple of reasons why people don't start with their businesses or these wonderful ideas that they have, the crafts or uh, during the lockdowns here in India, uh, Amy, a lot of uh, a lot of people started with this cook from home. So if somebody would cook something like the chicken tikka masala or some other dish they were very yeah. good at, they would or yeah. three or four or five, they would create a little menu and create a PDF out of it, mm-hmm. send it to the different WhatsApp groups and say, okay, you order it in advance and I'll cook it. It's home cooked, it's safe, and then et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. they'll have it home delivered to you. And I think a lot of people, they, they don't grab opportunities like this for two or three. One is the uh, two or three reasons. Number one is um, how other people are going to perceive it. Uh, yeah, you know, that that's one thing that holds people back, but not so much for you know when when we are twelve or fourteen, we're probably not thinking yeah. that. But as we grow up, we become way more that's conscious right. about our images and things like that. And the the second one I feel is uh, what if it doesn't work out, right? And uh, mm-hmm. which again, coming from a twelve year old's perspective that thought doesn't enter your head, right? It's way it doesn't work out, doesn't work out. You know, I never yeah. intended it to be something uh, big. So great yeah. lessons there. And uh, from, from your first entrepreneurial venture, you then um, uh, have been the ambassador of the Young Entrepreneurs Company also. 
a lot of our audience um, across the Indian subcontinent and other parts of the world are young entrepreneurs, young professionals, mm -hmm. young students. Um, and I personally believe for for a country of 1.2 billion, um, which is India, for, for us to re uh, really unleash our full economic potential, we need the micro and the small entrepreneurs. However, mm -hmm. uh, I, it's still a lot of people want to just get a job, right? So from your perspective, someone who's you know, started a business at 12, being the ambassador yeah. of the Young Entrepreneurs Company, doing business executive coaching right now. What do you feel can we, can we and when I say we as students, as, as teachers, as parents, as peers, as society, what can we do to promote entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think it's a big one. And I think it does um, start from starting young and actually making it okay. Mm -hmm. I know when I think about, you know, when I started my business at 12, I didn't think there was anything weird about it. And that's only because, you know, my parents didn't say, what are you doing that for? That's a right. silly idea. Mm -hmm. You know, they just sort of silently encouraged me, <laughs> if that makes any sense. That was just mm -hmm. kind of like, it wasn't really a thing. So I was able to just experiment and do it. And uh, there's some schools actually now. Um, there was one in, in Brisbane up here, um, up the coast. Uh, and they actually started some programs in primary school to teach students entrepreneurial skills like problem solving, you know, like communication, like there's all these different schools that come uh -huh. into it, all uh -huh. these different skills rather yeah. that come into it and being able to have that sort of encouragement from an early stage, getting everyone involved, like the teachers, like the parents, and making it okay for kids especially to think a little bit differently when it comes to their careers. Um, I think we've got the technology now. We've got the, you mentioned e-commerce stores. Like there's so many different ways yep. that you can get started in business uh, with an idea now and a lot of different proven models. So I think it's just bringing everyone into encourage it rather than have it as this like very strange thing that you should be doing <laughs> right right no well said i completely agree with that and i also love to hear from our audience right now people who are tuning in on linkedin youtube facebook and twitter tell us what you feel can the education system do what should the government what should parents and everybody else be doing differently in order to promote entrepreneurship um would love to hear from you in the comment section um and what i personally believe myself is the that we're not this is an option that not a lot of youngsters are exposed to at a young age. We probably don't mm -hmm. know it's an option. You know, so I could be a scientist, I could be a doctor, engineer, I could go do, yeah. do, go do this, go do that. And But there's a whole lot of the economy's changed. It's exploded with all these new opportunities. There are people who are full-time YouTubers and influencers, mm -hmm. and I, I don't yeah. know exactly what that involves on a day-to-day -day basis, but, <laughs> but there are occupations which they're are new. They're out mm -hmm. there, they're well-paying, you're your own boss, and you could do a lot of wonderful things. But the thing is, we uh, the education system specifically needs to catch up with these yeah. changes. And uh, I think risk-taking is one more thing we need to be mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. with because of the entire standardized grading system, failing yes. failing a particular subject, failing a class is such a huge stigma, mm -hmm. I'm sure everywhere across the world, but uh, even even bigger here in Asia, it's huge. Yeah. You know, your grades are sort of an extension of your self-worth. How much mm -hmm. you, what, what grades you score in school is a reflection of who mm -hmm. you are as an individual and therefore is also limiting of what you can or cannot do in life. Which I believe yeah. is complete nonsense because there's so much more to you than just your grades. 
So we need to um, be okay with risk-taking, be okay with yeah. unconventional choices, be okay mm -hmm. uh, with folks making mistake with, with mistakes with youngsters making mistakes and that's how we learn that's what that's what business yeah. is all about right that's it and i think to be okay with having the choice to do mm -hmm. both or mm -hmm. either either it depends on you and what you're good at what you want to pursue as well like yep. i had that early start to entrepreneurship and then i did the quote unquote normal thing and mm. went to university and, you know, did the study and then started my corporate career as well and was able to do that and then went back into entrepreneurship as well. Uh -huh. So I think uh -huh. there's um, allow yourself that it's okay to yeah. do both if you want to, um, but just having that choice that you do, there, there is different options out there for you, I think is really important to remember. Absolutely. And the, the earlier you know it, the better it is for you. Um, and um, you mentioned about, you know, having that opportunity, having that choice. And I also see from your profile that you transitioned from the HR coaching and business development profile. You worked in the corporate world for a while to now you operate independently as a strategist, a coach and a speaker. Um, and th this is sort of the in thing now. A lot of people want to do this. We are flooded with emails yeah. every day. How do I become a speaker, influencer, et cetera, et cetera. We created a whole video mm -hmm. series around it. People do yeah. have a lot of misconceptions conceptions and so many other things. Um, Amy, talk to us about um, your transition, what led to it and how can, from your opinion, how can young people discover their calling? So I remember, yeah, I was in, like you said, I was in HR for a lot of years. So I worked in executive recruitment um, and then different HR roles for a lot of years. And I'd always had this feeling, obviously I'd started a business at quite young. And so I'd always had this feeling that at some point I wanted to go out on my own again. Um, but I had no idea of what that actually looked like. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up actually uh, working in HR, working in executive recruitment for a coaching company. They were a business advisory company. And so, you know, I was in charge of, of helping a lot of coaches, business coaches, executive coaches actually get started and launch their own brands. And then it kind of got to a point where I was like, why aren't I doing this for myself? <laughs> and so I actually, it happened quite organically where I had a lot of people that would reach out to me um, because of my HR experience. And um, I went out as a career coach. They were asking me to help them get jobs and help them, you know, grow their brand and position themselves on LinkedIn because that's what I'd been doing for the last 10 years. And so then it happened quite organically from there where I was able to, yeah, launch and, and build my own brand. But you know, I did a lot of learning. I built some skills. I had a lot of experience of working with others that I'd launched before and helped launch too as, as part of that whole network. So um, I think that was, yeah, one of those things where I, I was very comfortable in my job. I loved the team that I worked with. I thought uh -huh. everyone there was great. But I just hit a point where I knew within myself I wasn't really hitting my full potential. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that line in, line in the sand moment where I had to decide, is this really what I want to continue doing for, say, the next five or ten years? Or right. do I want to make the leap now uh -huh. and know that as a plan B, I can always go and get another job? And so sure. I decided to, to make the leap. Um, and I actually, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, you know, burn the boats and yep. make sure that you don't have an option <laughs> to head back. Tony so has I obviously actually, helped many yeah. people burn their boats, right? <laughs> obviously, <laughs> including mine. <laughs> yeah, That's it. Right. So, you know, at, at the age of 28 years old, I gave up my nice Sydney apartment and I moved back home with my parents. 
Uh-huh. And that was how I literally burned the boats. I was like, look, this has to work. I'm doing this because I, I wanted to quit my job fast so that I could put all of my energy into my business moving forward. Right. Um, and that's exactly what I did. So I think for a lot of people, there's always that level of sacrifice, whether there it be is. time, money, mm-hmm. or both. Indeed. And so everyone's situation is different. Yep. I did not, at the age of 28 years old, prefer to go back home and live with my parents. I loved mm-hmm. my apartment, yep. um, but I chose to do that so mm-hmm. that I could get ahead and so that I could start, you know, making different choices in my life and, and be able to build a business, be my own boss and, and uh-huh. be able to have the flexibility that I have today. Mm-hmm. That's great. And how many years has it been since since you made the move? It's about three and a half years now. Oh, nice. So three All and right. a half years. Great. Yeah. I wasn't trying to figure out your age, by the way, so I'll... <laughs> <laughs> No, but I can, your, your story mirrors mine because, yeah. uh, and I think two, some very important takeaways here for everybody who's sitting on the fence right now, who feel that they should, uh, you know, do something bigger with their life or who feel that they're stuck. Uh, sacrifice, you talked about that. You, you'll have to yeah. sacrifice. You'll have to move outside that comfort zone. You will mm-hmm. have to give up things that you are so used to right now in order to start all over again, right? And that's going yeah. to be painful. It's not mm-hmm. a bed of roses. It's not a rosy picture that you see on, you know, once people get somewhere, it's like so enticing for everybody else to say, wow, I'd like to be that person. I'd like to have a lifestyle like that. You know, this guy posts a yeah, picture online yeah. and suddenly there's 10,000 likes and I'd like to be like that. And wh- wh- what people don't understand is that's the outcome. That's the outcome of so mm-hmm. many sacrifices. That's the outcome of giving up so much. That's the outcome of, yeah. you know, taking that risk at 28, mm-hmm. as you rightly mm-hmm. said, to to leave yeah. that lifestyle which so many youngsters aspire to and now to start all yeah. over again. And that's sort yeah. of the reboot. You you have to hit the reboot. And I understand uh, you were also the co-host for the reboot show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I actually, I remember I was 27, not 28, which makes me 30 now. So it has been three years. It's caught up to me. <laughs> Right, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> right, and I the, just realized that I was like, "Oh, twenty-seven. Mm. Yeah, I was younger than I thought." <laughs> and, ta- and 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 time flies so quickly. It's hard to uh, totally. for for entrepreneurs and for solopreneurs. It's like we. I mean, I don't. I can speak for myself. I do have to check mm. the calendar. What day is it today? Or what? Right, and it's 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 running by appointments. Yeah. It's running by. What I'm, what I'm doing next rather than, you know, uh, what day of the month it is, when I'm going to get paid. It's all, all that disappears, you know, those boundaries, they disappear. Uh, and I think, yeah. so you talked about sacrifice, uh, the reboot, it's really important. Discontent, uh, I picked that up from your story, discontent through boredom. And that's why I say your story mirrors mine because I was in the similar situation uh, where you achieve your goals a little bit earlier. Uh, so my career goals in the hospitality industry after studying at the Hotel School Sydney, my first job was with Marriott International in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Then I worked in different yeah. parts of the world with some of the leading hotel chains. And then then I it's just that soul searching when you feel that, okay, could, could is there more to it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. am I happy with this trajectory? Um, what do I see ahead? Do I like what I see ahead of me? If not, what yeah. I'm going to do today in order to change it. And that's where the sacrifice, the paying the price, where I call it the law of paying the price. You want anything good in your life, 
you've got to pay the price as simple as that mm-hmm. you you want mm-hmm. a nice jacket a nice house a nice car you 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 must be willing to pay the premium price for that quality same applies to your career and to your life you want a better life you want a better career you'll have to pay the price it does not come for free and you have to do your own push-ups i always yes. <laughs> coaches influencers we can show you the way we can talk about our experience for hours and hours and what we've been through mm-hmm. but i think it's uh is uh, Jalaluddin Rumi the the Sufi poet who said uh, do not be impressed with the stories that come before you learn to unfold your own myth and that's what we're mm. urging everybody who's watching right now is learn to unfold your own story don't just be impressed by this person because you cannot replicate duplicate their journey yours is going to be mm-hmm. different and what you need to do is yeah. start your journey you know begin take that first step do that soul searching and just don't mindlessly show up at work every day and you know repeat the same routine over and over again because if you continue doing what you always done you get always get the same results right want different results you'll have to make cha- cha- uh, changes and sacrifices as you rightly said it's been a wonderful mm-hmm. interaction a virtual high five to you emmy all the way to sydney <laughs> australia thank you. <laughs> thank you and before we let you go uh, some parting words of uh, inspiration for for our viewers coming from your life experiences and all the things that you've achieved in your life yeah i think a common theme is that um not everything is comfortable and that's a good thing so i think the more you can embrace feeling uncomfortable as you move through certain transitions whether it be your career or starting a business whatever that means for you mm-hmm. i think don't freak out if you're in that place where you're feeling uncomfortable because it does get better you can move through it um but i think the more you kind of resist that uh-huh. the harder things become because you do feel stuck you do get stuck in that self doubt and that overwhelming kind of fear uh which is completely normal so i think the more you can embrace uncertainty embrace being uncomfortable um the better your your life will be i completely agree with that i completely agree with that the more you embrace all the things that everybody else runs away from the better life you will have because these are the people these are the things that people avoid the most you talk about tony robbins mm-hmm. and i remember one of his uh, his main um punchlines in this upw um did you do his upw as well the unleash the power within no, no i have not done it no okay. but i know a lot about it yes i had the opportunity of doing it in in london uh i think in 2007 and he spoke right. a lot about he said human beings are driven largely towards by these two forces we either moving towards pleasure and avoiding pain mm. so we're either going yeah. for pleasure avoiding pain and so when we are avoiding pain uh, that's when we're also avoiding all the growth that is out mm. there so you know no pain no growth every teenager knows this right <laughs> you got <laughs> yeah, you got to go through all those issues that the pains and then that's when growth happens uh yeah. so Yeah, well said that don't run away from um the things that other people are running away from the uncertainty mm. um mm. the the pain the risk and so many other things because if you do you settle for a mediocre life and that's uh, that's you're going to regret it so much once you get caught up in all the trappings of of the of the world you know the the mortgage yeah. on the apartment and the car loan to pay and so many and then you're trapped that then you can't go anywhere yeah. and i think that this also i think i'm glad this you brought this up because from my experience i believe mm-hmm. not signing up for any liabilities was one of the things mm-hmm. that allowed me the financial independence to make these major changes 
So I did not, yeah. even though I could put the money down and, you know, buy my own house, mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm. buy a fancy car. I could do all the other things with the recurring payments, which give you sort of the immediate pleasure, but they lock you in into that cycle. Yeah. That's when it gets difficult to make life changing decisions. It's been a wonderful conversation here today, Amy. I thank you so very much for your time and for your inputs today. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Amy Smith. Thank you. Great to be here. Amy, yes, thank you. And I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in reaching out to you for um, keynote speaking engagements and other things. And please share with us where where should they be logging on to? Yeah. Well, I'd be silly not to say LinkedIn. (laughs) You can definitely (laughs) come and find me on LinkedIn. Um, Amy L. Smith Coach is the forward slash there. Um, You can also find me on my website, which is amylsmith.com. I am also on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube as well. Fantastic. Thank you so very much. And guys, before you log off from this live stream, here's what Amy and I would like you to do. Please type in in the comments section your major takeaways from today's interaction. What are the one or two or the three things that you're taking away and that appeal the most to you, that are very practical for you, actionable, and you can start putting them into practice straight away. would love to see uh, your feedback in the comments section. And don't forget to join us again for another episode of the Beginner's Mind series. And thank you to Amy Smith all the way from Sydney, Australia. I do miss that city. You look after yourself, (laughs) Amy. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye.